Okay, I've got a question for the start off, and I'd like a bit of help from maybe the younger ones, if there's any at the back who could hear. <clears throat> and the question is this. I want to know what this word means, okay? I want to know what this word means. Who likes surprises? Oh, Phil was his first one with his hand up. Oh, Jade's got her hand up. Just, just this one's filled. Jade's got her hand up. She's get, she gets the. If Jade can tell me what a surprise is, I might have a surprise for her. So, what's a surprise, Jade? A dog. <laughs> I can assure you, I haven't got a dog. <laughs> But did, what does the word surprise mean? Do you know? You like surprises, yeah? Especially if it's a dog. But what is a surprise, really? <laughs> yeah? So if I surprise you now, you're going to come to the front, I'll give you a surprise, okay? Can you come to the front? <clears throat> it's not a dog. <laughs> It's some rabbits, but not a dog, okay? So if I give you this, okay, would you, was, is this a surprise? Yeah. Why is it a surprise? Because, because you're giving Because I'm giving you, yeah, yeah, you get in there. But why am I giving you this? Why am I giving you this? Because it's a surprise. <laughs> okay, let me ask you another question. Was you expecting this this morning? No, you weren't, were you? So that's why it's a surprise. So really, a surprise is when we get something that we're not really expecting to get. Is that right? That'll do. Thank you very much. That's what a surprise is, isn't it? When we get something and we're not expecting something. So she's got a nice surprise this morning, some, some rabbits. But I want to share my title, for a, uh, my title for this morning came from a surprise. So I'll, I'll just tell you what my surprise was. Um, last year, roughly about the same time, a bit, bit later on, we, we were going on holiday, me and Ellen had booked a weekend away at Porth Maddock, a place we'd stayed before, and we're just going for the weekend, as I thought. So I come back from work early one day, and we load the car up, and I was thinking, grief, I'm only going for a weekend. Why am we taking all this stuff? There was like, the car was full of stuff, and I was thinking, I'm only going for a few days. So we drove down to, to Wales, into Porth Maddock, and we pulled up outside this place, that we'd stayed before a little bed and breakfast in, in Porth Maddock and um, thought nothing else of it. And then the, the place where we have to get into, they've got a code on the door and you have to put a code in to get into the door. And then Ellen says, I'll go and, I'll go and let us in. And then she went to the door and I was sitting in the car waiting, wait, wait for her to open the door so I could unload the car. <clears throat> and she says, I can't do the code. I was like, you can't do the code? Why? You know, it's just four-digit number. Easy enough to do. So I said, don't worry, I'll come and do it. So I put the code in the door, opened the door, 
And then I had a surprise because it wasn't just me and Eleanor who were going away for the weekend. All the family were in there with party poppers and it was my 60th birthday surprise. And frightened me to death really because I wasn't expecting. The last thing I was thinking of was going to be people behind the door and they really made me jump. And Ellen thought I was going to have an heart attack. <laughs> she was like, you okay, you okay? And my reaction was, and this is the title for the meeting this morning, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's what my reaction was. What on earth are you doing here? Because I thought, I'm just having a quiet weekend with my wife. And then all these people come and I've got presents and they, they cooked me a lasagna and it was all waiting. I was all waiting to, to... And it was a really humbling experience and something I probably... I've never had a surprise birthday party before. 60 years old and I had my first surprise birthday party. <laughs> And it was a really humbling experience and something I'll never forget, something that I really enjoyed. So that's the title for this morning's meeting. So if we can have this up on the, this is the title for today. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I want us to think about, obviously this week is, is Palm Sunday today. And this week is Easter week. And this question has really stuck in my mind and I've just been thinking about different people and this question keeps coming over. What if I ask you that question this morning? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Some of you have been coming here for years. Some of you have only just recently started coming and that's great. But what are you doing here? Ask yourself that question this morning. And what I want us to do, I want us to think about this story. I watched a program this week and it, it may have been on the television for some time, but it was the first time I'd seen it. <clears throat> and it really made me think. And it was, I don't know if anybody else saw it, it was a program on ITV. I, I watched it on catch-up, so it may have been on some time ago, but it, I just started watching it and I just got into it. And it's the kind of program that I like to, to see. And it was called The Story of Us. Anybody see? I recommend you watch it. It is a good program. And basically, it was taken from 2020 and when the pandemic started. And it was different people telling their story of what happened in the pandemic. And there was a bus driver who connected COVID, nearly died. There was an ambulance driver who also... Him and his wife were both paramedics and he got COVID and nearly died. There was a famous novelist who also nearly died. There was a dental nurse, but there was also a surgeon. And his name, um, if I remember right, I'll finish down. He was named Professor Montgomery. And he, the things he shared really struck home to me. Because we all we were all surprised by the pandemic, weren't we? We were all sort of shocked by the, the whole world was shocked by the pandemic, and it's an event that happened a few years ago now that we've come through, and we hear this today. And unfortunately, there's some people who, who didn't make it through that. But it's an extraordinary event that happened in our history that some of us will never forget. And this man was sharing his story. And telling what had happened to him. 
And he, he, his first reaction was he was glad that the pandemic happened on his watch because he was like a medical person and that's what he trained to do all his life was to, to look after people and to help people, especially in something like a pandemic. And he, he just threw everything into it from what you could tell. He, he, he basically lived at the hospital in London for weeks and weeks and he was trying to find him and other consultants were trying to find answers to the to the problem of covid and and how they could help people and and get people to recover but the really sad thing was for him and he took he shared this was he was working stupid shifts like hardly ever spending any time in bed he was like doing 24-hour shifts at the hospital and, and that kind of thing and he hadn't seen his, he got four children and he hadn't seen his children for five weeks and his family because of COVID. And then a bit later on in the program, he shared that his, his eldest son, who was 17, was obviously couldn't wait to do something. I mean, everybody, like everybody knew it, when, when lockdown finished, people wanted to get get out and do stuff because they've been locked in their own houses and he was a he was really good um and loved enjoyed snorkeling and he went somewhere the first day of lockdown with his friends went snorkeling and drowned and they didn't find his body for three weeks and this professor was absolutely gutted he broke him and the reason why it broke him is because he couldn't say goodbye to his son. And he, he, the emotion he shared in this program, it's worth watching if you've if you got time, really touched me that he couldn't say goodbye. And then it made me think about people in this, in this story that we're going to look at this week and a particular two characters I want to talk about today. Because how it must have affected them. We're talking about Easter today, something that happened 2,000 years ago. And there's a character in the story, and I've shared this before, that really it's home to me. And we'll have his picture come up now. Some of you might remember this guy. Okay. Anybody know who this is? Anybody recognize the picture? Yeah, it's a centurion, but he's a fa rather famous centurion. And you might ask the question of him, what are you doing here? Anybody know who it is? It's John Wayne. It's John Wayne. Yeah, John Wayne. Now, you think automatically when you think of John Wayne, you think of somebody in either a cowboy or a war film. And... His, his title or his nickname <coughs> was, he was known as the Duke, apparently. And he got that famous voice, doesn't he? Some of the older ones will all remember who he was. Some of the younger ones won't have a clue. But in 1965, he played a role in a film called The Greatest Story Ever Told that was released. And he had one line in this story, one line only. And this was his line. Truly, this was the Son of God. 
That was his one line. Truly, this was the Son of God. And you might say, what brought him to that place? What was he doing here? What was he doing in that film? You'd never think he'd be in that film, but he was. What are you doing here? So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to imagine and think about the centurion. What if the centurion was here this morning, 2,000 years later, and he was telling his story, what happened to him in that situation? So I'm going to read you what could have been his story 2,000 years on. And imagine that it's him here standing here this morning, not me, and he's sharing his experience of an extraordinary event that happened in his life that changed him forever. My name is John. I was born in Rome, a great city. And when I was 16, I joined the Legionnaire Army. I worked my way up until I became a centurion. I was in charge of 175 men, and they were all under my control. One day, I was sent to a place called Palestine. And I got orders to execute three people. I got a party of four men, which I had done before, and I set off to execute these men. A man named Barabbas and two others of his followers were also due to be crucified. But I heard that this man Barabbas, who had killed one of my men, had been set free, and I couldn't believe it. Jesus from Nazareth, I heard, and I'd heard lots of good things about him. In fact, a friend of mine told me a story how he healed a servant even when he wasn't there. I heard lepers had been restored and the sight of blind people had been restored. I'd also heard about a man named Lazarus and I'd heard about how he, could raise, he was raised from the dead after three days of being dead. And I couldn't believe that he could have been raised like that. I'd heard about Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. And then I thought, why am I crucifying this man? What is he doing here? My men had almost beaten him to death. And I have some really strong, brutal men. You have to be strong and brutal to do this job. And they almost killed him. There and then, if I hadn't have ordered them to stop. I don't think I've ever seen anyone knocked about like this man. They had put a crown of thorns on his head and they were enjoying mocking him before the crowd. They gave him a sign and put it on his head that said, above the cross, Jesus, King of the Jews. It was so different from any circumstance I've ever been involved with. You know, it normally takes three men to hold a person down to knock nails into their hands. They normally curse, they normally shout, but not Jesus. He just lay there and quietly took it. 
And then he said something that was absolutely amazed me. He had just asked his God to forgive because he, he didn't know what they were doing. I couldn't believe that anyone could ever forgive in that situation. I was causing him so much pain and the people there were shouting abuse at him. Normally, we are the ones who are shouting abuse for someone being crucified. And then he spoke to one of the other criminals on the cross nearby and I heard him utter these words, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Whatever was, he, whatever was he saying, how could he say that that day he would be in paradise? It came towards the end of midday, and it started to go dark, and even the birds went quiet. It was almost impossible to speak, but suddenly he called out, with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was afraid, and at that point, I began to cry out. With, he cried out with a loud voice, and he shouted this, It is finished. Never did I hear anyone speak like this from the cross. The people I had crucified could barely breathe, let alone say a sentence. I will never forget those words that were spoken from his mouth because he spoke with authority and with victory and I never heard anything like it before. The loud cry of Jesus is unusual because victims of crucifixion usually have no strength, especially when they're near death. But Jesus' death was no ordinary death, nor was this shout like the shout of a dying man. It was a shout of victory. At that point, the earth began to shake and the rocks began to split and I was absolutely petrified. I had been there in charge of this execution of an innocent man and I knew that now it was too late. The other men by his side had their legs broken, but not Jesus, he had already given up his spirit, and the curtain was torn in two. I came to the realisation I had no faith in God until that moment. And then I realised for the first time in my life that I was standing before God himself. I realised I was responsible for his death. you imagine that? I was scared and sorry that the death of the Son of Man was going to be on my CV. I openly confess with my mouth those words that John Wayne said, surely you were the son of God. I placed the spear into his side and watched the water come from his side and I will never forget that moment. My life was to change forever on that day. How could I ever be the same? I had an encounter with a dying man, but not just a dying man, with a living God. My eyes and my heart were open from that moment. You know, if you're a believer in Christ today, one day you may get that opportunity to speak to that man for yourself. But then also, I just want us to look at another man and look at his story 
And we're just going to read some verses from Scripture, and it's these, if we can have them on the screen. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, or not, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for you are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay. So I want you to think about this man. Think about what's gone on. What was it that made a difference to the centurion? Was it the sign above the cross that said he was the king of the Jews? Was it his compassion that he'd shared, that he'd seen for himself as he stood in front of the cross when he opened his mouth and he didn't curse? Was it the compassion he showed to this dying thief who was on the next cross, who responded to the gospel even at the end? You know, there are lots of things that we could look at in this story and in this testimony. But one thing we're for sure of is this. When the centurion stood over against him, he saw for himself that Jesus was the Son of God. And he realized for himself who Jesus was. So what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from this morning? <clears throat> there are a few things, lessons that we can learn. I think the scripture makes the lessons plain. There are two men, and we've just been reading about two men, two thieves on the cross, who both witnessed the same crucifixion, who both saw what the centurion saw, and they began to mock him on the cross, as did the rest of the crowd. But after watching Jesus die, these two men and the tooth priest and the Pharisees made two different decisions. The one thief turned to Christ. The one thief turned to Christ, but the other one didn't. You know, he said that question, what we, with the title of the meeting, was, what are you doing here? You don't deserve to be on this cross. You don't deserve this. I do. What are you doing here? Jesus turned around to him and says, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. How amazing is that? That today, he could be with his Saviour in heaven, in paradise. There's another th amazing thing about this thief on the cross that I want us to think about. I wonder if he was here this morning, the thief on the cross. How must have he felt? Can you imagine on that day when he woke up and found himself in paradise? Can you imagine how he felt when he come through heaven's gate and he stood there in that place in God's kingdom? Can you imagine that the people who were there would say, 
What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Did you believe in Jesus? What church did you go to? Did you go to Sunday school? Were you in faith builders? What church did you belong to? None of those things he could say. They may have asked the question, well, what, what do you believe? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing here? Have you ever read the Bible? No. Have you ever been to church? No. Then what basis are you doing in this place? What basis are you here? You know what his answer was? The man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross said I could come. That's the only reason I'm here. Because he said I could come. How amazing is that? He couldn't earn his salvation. And that's the power of the cross today. Jesus said to him, assuredly, you will be with me in paradise. And that's amazing grace. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? I'm sure there will be days when we get to that kingdom, we will say, what are you doing here? I never expected to see you. And maybe there'll be surprises and we'll say, I was expecting to see someone else here who's not here. So just in thinking and closing this meeting today, ask this question, what are you doing here? Have I made that vital decision? Do I know where I will be when I die? When I wake up, will I be in the kingdom with Jesus? Or sadly, will I be outside? I don't want anyone in this room to ever wake up and find themselves not in that kingdom, but in the other place. And then say, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? So what must I do to be saved? This is what the thief on the cross would have said. If you come to Christ today, you will do what he did. If you ask God to remember you, to save you, to take control of your life, to have you, he will say the same words as this today. That's today. What's that? It's in an instance. He didn't say next week or next month or next year. He said today. And young man, if you accept Jesus into your life and believe in him, then today you can be with him in his kingdom. Just in closing, there was a, once a mission and a man who was saved on a gospel mission. And that man, after he got saved, testified it took him 42 years to figure out three biblical truths. The first was this, that he could do nothing for his salvation. The second one was this, that God did 
not require him to do anything for his salvation. And the third one was this, that God had done everything for his salvation. It's finished. It's complete. He's done it all. So if the band can come and join me at the front of church, we're going to sing a song that hopefully we'll be able to sing this morning as believers in Christ. And it says this, I stand amazed at the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvellous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. One last thought. That man in that video I watched this week missed the opportunity of saying goodbye to his son. If you know Christ as your Saviour, you never say goodbye. You never say goodbye.